and then let me know when we're when we're actually live. Ooh, should I do an Instagram story real quick? Hey, we, could, cool. we could do that on the on the podcast while it's live too. It's just oh yeah, good. We're live. Yeah, awesome. All right, David Goldman, welcome. Hey, how you thanks. doing? I'm doing great. Feeling good. Yeah, yeah. Bit of a long day. <laughs> Bit of a long day, but I'm good. So uh, tell everyone what you do a little bit. That way we can they have a little context as to what what's going on there. Yeah, totally. So. I am the creative director at a church here in Albuquerque called Believer Center. And so <laughs> I wear a lot of hats. Um, but yeah, I oversee uh, worship and production and media, graphic, all content creation. So anything that could fit into one of those categories, um, I'm at the end of the day responsible for. So it keeps I, me busy. I was surprised the last time I, I went in to see you, uh -huh. I asked, who did your guys' logo? And you're like, oh, I did. <laughs> It's like what? <laughs> I wear all the hats. So we, we were just talking a little bit ago. You you drum. Yeah. You play guitar. What other instruments do you play? Oh well, we can go into history here. Yeah, go for it. So um, I started by playing bass. Actually, I, I was in band uh, s since sixth grade all the way through high school, and I was the biggest band geek there is. I mean, not a bigger one. I think I ended up getting ten ten letters in band um, for everything. So I played trumpet for 11 years. Wow. Yeah. And then um, when I started going to Believer Center, I wanted to be a part of the worship team because all the cool kids were. And so I learned how to play bass guitar. <laughs> and then um, I wanted to learn how to play acoustic, so I did. And then I started singing. I taught myself a little bit of piano. And then our drummer went off to college, and I was uh, one of the guys leading our youth, our youth team at that point. And so I said, oh, oh it's okay. I'll, I'll learn how to drum. And so I, I actually ended up becoming one of the main drummers for the church for the better part of seven or eight years now. Dang. So, yeah. Um, haven't, haven't done any of that stuff in a while, but it's all, it's all in my heart. <laughs> now, now how'd you go from there to creative director? Gosh. Um, well, I've been volunteering at the church for somewhere between 12 and 15 years. Um, definitely 12 before I got hired and on. And this was all at Believer Center? This is all at Believer Center, okay. yeah. And um, it was all mainly worship until we had our big conferences, and then I started helping with um, the planning of the conferences. And for whatever reason, I just, that's, I love planning conferences and planning events and just thinking about all the things and the production aspect of it. And so I cut my teeth, like my production teeth on youth conferences. Um, and then at, you know, I, I worked at a ministry called Faith Comes by Hearing and I uh, got to do a lot of, you know, event stuff over there as well. But I was just kind of growing this production career path. Um, and I was volunteering in at a, at a very high capacity for a long time. And um, eventually there was a, a leadership position in need at the church. And they said, well, you've, you've been doing it for free for all these years. Would you like to get paid to do it? Like, hey, couldn't, hallelujah. Couldn't turn that down. It was an absolute dream, dream job. That's I fantastic. Mean, yeah. So I love it. It's, it's a lot of fun. So when you were at Faith Comes Right Here and you also wore many hats there too. <laughs> yeah. I wear a lot of hats everywhere. Yeah. But like you, cats. You, you did like <laughs> audio technician, you were sales rep, you were donor rep, uh -huh. you were events. events. I mean, yeah, oh, that, that's that's a lot. I I mean, it wasn't all at once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, at Faith Comes by Hearing, I mean, I, was, I started when I was 18. 
Um, do I think you were the youngest person there, weren't you? I was. Yeah, I was a baby. I was the babyest baby. For, <laughs> for yeah, yeah, that works. I'm fine I, with that. Babyest baby. I was actually the youngest before you showed up. So were you took you? my title. Gosh. So how long um, did you work there before I did? I know I, we've talked about it before. I started January 12, 2009. Okay. And I was I, there through January 15th of this year, so just a little over 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I was just under 10 years. Okay. So I, you must have been there right maybe before you. a couple months before me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I started off as an audio technician because I had all of that background in music, and I had a friend suggest that I look into Faith Comes by Hearing, and so I, I started with that, and then... I like talking to people <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't, um, I wasn't being fulfilled sitting in a room for eight hours a day with headphones on, um, in my own world. And so a position opened where, um, I could talk to, to pastors and to churches about the programs that we were doing. And so I thought, Hey, sounds like something I could do. And I did it and it was a lot of fun. And then, yeah, I moved up to a place where I was actually talking with, um, donors specifically, not churches, but you know, donors that were giving to different ministries or different areas of Faith Comes by Hearing. And so I uh, really enjoyed that. But again, my heart has always been with events. Sure. And so um, I looked at, you know, the events that we were putting on. And I said, hey, boss, <laughs> we could do things a little differently. I have a little bit of experience. What do you think? And that just opened the door to um, me really helping put put the events on at a greater capacity and in other parts of the world and then establishing a whole domestic um, side for the ministry to put on events. So it was really a blessing, huge blessing That's just incredible. to, just to get to be a part of that uh, process of change. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like every time you move to a different position, you upped the position. So it was like, it's like, I this see is, your position. I job. raise you. Exactly. <laughs> And how can we make this 10 times better? Uh, that, that seems to be kind of a pattern that I see with you. Yeah, that, and I guess it's just my personality. Yeah. <laughs> um, are you familiar with the Enneagram? I think we've talked about yeah, it. Yeah, we've a talked bit. about it. Yeah. What, for everybody else, though, share it because that's, that's an interesting thing. Yeah, no, so the Enneagram is a typography that's been around for um, a couple hundred years. And it's, it's just like a strength finder or um, what's the one that we did at Faith Heals by Hearing? PD, PDP? PDP. PDP Yeah. Um, this and one. We have 16 personalities, mm-hmm. which I like a lot. Too. Yeah, there's there's a lot of really great ones. Um, the thing that I liked about this one is it doesn't tell you who you are. Um, it really t- tells you why you do things. Mm-hmm. And so it's um, it's it's just a different way of thinking about a personality test, which is really cool. And so. So it measures more of like your behavior? It's your intentions. Ah, okay. Yeah. So it's um, I am. A, a seven, so there's like nine numbers. Enneagram just means a nine-sided figure. Okay. And so there's nine different typographies that you can be. And so I am <clears throat> a seven, which is an enthusiast, but then you have a wing. And a wing is going to be to the number above or to the number below. So you're going to be like a seven wing six or a seven wing eight. I am a seven wing eight. And that just means you have very strong tendencies of that number as well. An eight is a challenger. <laughs> I, I, I can see that. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I challenge systems. I challenge processes. I like to look at things. Um, sometimes I, I challenge people. And you've worked with me long enough, so you know that you know oh, that's yeah? true. I I think th- I like to think that I'm a, a healthy <laughs> seven wing eight, so I challenge people in love, and um, I just like to look at things and say, is there a better way of doing this? Anytime I say, why do we do it that way? And the answer is B, 
because that's how we've always done it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a red flag for me. Yeah, it's like world. okay, well let's let's relook the pro, re, you know, relook at the process. And so, um, yeah, that's it's just a part of who I am, and and that's something I find great joy in is looking at any position that I've been in and saying, okay, this is fantastic. How can we how can we take this to the next level? When I was a donor uh, rep talking with people. Um, trying to raise money for the ministry, I wanted to be able to thank them in a way that we had never thanked anybody at the ministry, right? And so I, I worked with you, and I said, "Is there any way that we could like send videos of me? Like, like what's something that we haven't done?" I remember the argument we had. You said, um, "Oh yeah, you can send videos in the email." I was like, no, David, you can't send video <laughs> in the email. Oh, trust like, me, no, I, you, you I knew, I knew best. <laughs> of course, that's incorrect. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, we, we, but worked, I like it. I like the challenge. Yeah. We, we worked it out so that we could send, um, we could send an image that looked like my video, sure. right? We could send an image, but this is just a screen capture of the YouTube, uh, video with the play button. And then we hyperlinked it to the actual YouTube or Vimeo, whatever we were using. And so people would click on it thinking they were clicking on a video mind blowing <laughs> in their email, which of course just, you know, drag them over to YouTube but it was really cool. It was a really cool idea. And, dude, people freaked out. They loved the idea of, like, being thanked with a face instead yeah. of being thanked with a card. or. Well, and you did them personally, too. So you Individually, actually, yeah. Yeah, like, it wasn't just, Frank oh, Frank and Susan, yeah. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not not thank you, everyone. Yeah. No, it, was, it was individually, so it was neat. But that's that's just what we're talking about is... Looking at a, looking at something, looking at a process, and and that's what I I even do so much. You know where I am now. It's let's look at all the processes, see how we can tweak or change um, to not just make the the process better, but to take care of the people more. Mm-hmm. I feel like the people, the staff, are usually the ones who <laughs> um, get burned in certain situations or like Absolutely. do the heavy lifting. And so if there's, if there's a, I don't want to change something for the sake of change. I want to change something for the sake of, of helping the staff, helping the person, um, you know, so. Yeah, very yeah, people-centric. That's where my heart is. That's where my heart is, yeah. Have very you ever read the book, um, uh, It Starts With Why? By, I think his name yeah. is Simon Sinek. Simon Sinek. Yeah. I never yeah. know how to pronounce his last name. So yeah. Sinek. Um, I've, I've read the book, watched the video, watched the uh, shortened video <laughs> there. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. It's fantastic. Yeah. He also has another book called Leaders Eat Last. Mm-hmm, which that's is a good one. Also too. very good. I love um, I love Start With Why. We've actually um, we've we've done leadership classes for our staff on Starts With Why. And it's just um, the entire really staff Our our church staff. OK. Wow. Yeah. Um, we have a staff meeting every Monday, and so we, we did a thing on Starts With Why, and then we, we've done a bunch of different leadership things with the staff, but that was one of my favorite, um, just because it really is talking about um, not what you're doing, but understanding the why behind what you're doing mm-hmm. will help um, change people's heart, change people's perspective, right? If you give if you give somebody vision um, and help them understand the why behind the what, um they'll they'll get behind you if you just give them hey we're gonna make this big change that's just the what um you're not gonna get a lot of people on board with that change but if you say we're gonna do this big change and this is why we're doing it it's going to increase this it's going to help this it's going to whatever um people are more likely to get on board and you use it for yourself as well Mm -hmm. you know if you're trying to keep yourself accountable to doing a big change uh for a diet or 
going to the gym or for what you know mental whatever whatever you're doing if you're going to do it that's a, it's a great way for you to say okay I'm not just going to do this for the sake of doing it. I'm doing this so that I can why be healthier be happier have more energy etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah. it's a great book you uh, how do you feel about motivation because you you seem to have a lot of motivation but I, I think too many <laughs> people are looking for how do I get started like I need that motivation like like what what drives that? For me, it feels like there's a precursor to motivation. That's just sure. getting in and getting it, like starting. You, mm-hmm. you just really have to, like Nike says, you know, just, just do, do it. it. Yeah. And then once you do it, it seems like the motivation follows. Do you do you feel that way, or do you have do you have a different process? I feel like there's there's different humps, right? Um, let's take let's take diet, right? A diet or exercise or whatever. Perfect example. That's a, um, you know, you want to get a, you want to start a diet. The first hump is starting it right um there we are surrounded we are inundated with diets everywhere you don't have to go far on any social media platform to find the latest and greatest diet um but it takes that first little bit of motivation to say okay i'm gonna start this thing right so that's the first hump the second hump is significantly larger (laughs) than the first hump and that's like two weeks in it's like right around 14 days and at day 14, you're starving, right? And you're like, I hate this thing. I want a brownie. I'm going to rip your head off. That's the second hump, <laughs> right? Because you, you'll, within a few days, everyone's like, oh my gosh, I lost five pounds on this diet in the first five days. And well, that's every single diet because you're significantly changing the way that you're eating and you're, you're probably retaining more water or you're, lo- or you're retaining, excuse me, you're retaining less water. And so you're losing a lot of water weight. And so that gives you a little bit of motivation, but then you got to get past that 14 to 21 days, right? They say um, the brine, the mind takes 21 days to develop new pathways and new connections. Old old ones can die, but it's physical connections that are being made, and it takes 21 days. Um, Dr. Carolyn Leaf wrote a book on it. It's fascinating. So that at that like 14 to 21 days, that's like the second hump of like continuing to do the diet then after that it gets significantly easier because now you've established new processes new habits right and then i feel like the third hump is well it's a bunch of little humps after that it's just making the decision over and over and over again to continue to do it right i feel like so it becomes habit it becomes habit yeah but it's still easy to fall off right it's I can't tell you how many times, and I'm the worst for these, how many times I've started a new thing, and I'm like, yes, I'm past 21 days, and then I'll get sick. Yep. And then <laughs> right? It's... Or I go on vacation, and then I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, like, I'll go back to the gym eventually. I'll go back to the gym. I'll go back to the gym on Monday. <laughs> Monday comes and goes, and it's like, okay, we'll make it Wednesday. Like, Wednesday's my other gym day. And that is like snooze, right? And it's like, okay, next week, that's when it's going to happen. I'm getting back on this horse. And then two months goes by, and you're like, well, I guess it's time to start over with that first hump thing. And, you know, so I feel like it's just making those decisions just to continue it, which are, again, smaller humps, but yeah. humps nonetheless. And, and as you do that over and over and over, then you start to become more aware of those issues where right. you know, hey, if, if Monday comes, if I don't get to it right away, yeah. I'm probably not going to until Wednesday or Friday or the right, next week. Right. So now I just need to get in there and get it done mm-hmm. so that I can I can feel good again. Yeah. Well, and I think um, you might want to shake that up too. It, it starts to settle at the bottom. Oh, We're, uh, should we? Should we? Tell your listeners what we're... Yeah, we're... Uh, I, I like these. I, I've been trying different nootropics right now. 
Um, and I'm not going to share the brand at the moment because I'm not totally sold on this one at the We're moment. not being well, sponsored. Well, exactly. <laughs> We're not making any money. Yeah. I've had this, two guests. This is the Kirkland sponsorship. brand. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That is the Kirkland brand water, and it's phenomenal for, I mean, for the price. Mm, Costco sponsorships. Yeah, yeah. Come we on love over. you, Costco. Yeah, Come we on love on. you, Costco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I'd like to talk about this in the future a little bit more. I've tried four different ones so far. That's my favorite of the four. That's a great flavor. Yeah, it's a really good Yeah, flavor. I really like it. It's got a little bit of caffeine in there, so okay. you start to... Um, I, I have a little bit of trouble with recall when I start getting tired. Oh, so sure. it's like, ah, uh, what was that? And that seems to help quite a bit. Oh, man. Uh, Can I then, get an IV of that just all day? <laughs> that and vitamin B12 shots. Yeah. That'd be great. I know. Yeah, I could I could use that stuff. Tons of energy. Mm-hmm. I uh, you can you can see my fingers. I I prick them. I I did a little test online, uh-huh. uh, testosterone test. Oh I'm yeah, to get a little bit of brain fog and stuff. Oh sure. If your testosterone levels are yeah. low, uh, it's probably time to get that checked. So I just gosh, did and that. testosterone for men is <clears throat> huge. I didn't realize how huge it was um, until recently. You know, where I had a friend say like, "Yeah, I'm getting my T checked and." And um, it came back low, and sure enough, he's like, my doctor was saying it can affect your digestion and your your brain recollection and your sex drive your and mood. your mood, your everything. everything. I, I didn't realize like what testosterone or how much of an impact anyway. Well, I and say. it's it's kind of taboo because you have the weightlifters who. Oh yeah, people to, don't understand it. Yeah, I mean, but you're not doing that kind of a dose. So no, 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 no. <laughs> you're just trying to get back to normal. I mean, if you're if you're if you're taking steroids, you're taking five th- five thousand times the normal dose of you know of testosterone. So, yep. yeah. But anyway, I was going to say um, just to go back to the motivation because there's, oh, sure. there's something that I thought was fantastic. Um, will. So not just motivation, but will I feel is like a muscle, and um, you you only have so much of it, but you can grow it, right? And so I feel like. Um, will, discipline, you know, interchangeable. interchangeable. But I feel like people that are really disciplined and are really good at being disciplined also um, have something to to go to that's that doesn't require a lot of discipline. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, or you just have to have balance, right? Because you can't you can't be on a diet. So I was I was a trainer. I went to the uh, American see, College of Sports Medicine. Thing. Yeah, American College of Sports Medicine. I'd like to see your seventeen page resume someday. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I don't know. So um, one of the, one of the things that I that I used to say is people would be like, "Okay, what's your favorite diet?" And and I, I don't have a favorite. I think a lot of them are very good. Um, but what I really like is diet and exercise. Mm-hmm. And it seems I I know it's not what you want to hear. It's not what anybody wants to hear because they they go hand in hand. And of course, you know you lose weight in the kitchen, not in the gym, whatever. But um, I feel like you have to do something that you can maintain. You have to do something that will not use all of your discipline because if you have if you use all the discipline, right? There's it's a it's a it's a resource that you only have so much of. If you use it all, you will inevitably go off of your diet. Yeah, especially when you get stressed yeah. or you're tired or But if you if you do something that you can maintain, you will in the long run lose more weight. And what would you consider long run? For the rest of your life. Okay. Yeah, um, so something permanent, like more like a lifestyle change. It's, it's got to be a lifestyle change. Yeah. And and that's why I've never been a fan of even just the word diet. Sure. If someone would say, like, what's your favorite diet? I would say eating healthy. Healthy lifestyle. Yeah, eating healthy. I eat healthy a lot. 
and what, I what eat do donuts a lot. <laughs> so it's it's I just have balance. Um, but that's my thing. I love donuts, right? But I also know that to eat my donuts, I have to eat very healthy and go to the gym and exercise and do everything else very consistently. Mm -hmm. So that's my trade-off. But that's what allows me to be consistent is I'm not disciplined all the time. I can I can not be disciplined for a little while and eat my donuts. But I know that I'm going to maintain my discipline when I'm eating the other meals. And so will is something that people don't always have a lot of right out of the gates. And if you're talking about motivation, this just goes back to the motivation. If you, you have motivation to do something, but it's the will that's going to keep you going, right? Motivation is only going to start the engine, but you have to, you have to feed it. And that's the will. And so the more times you make those decisions, the more times you, you wake up early to go to the gym or um, you choose the healthier option to eat, those stronger that will is going to, it's a muscle. Mm -hmm. Will is muscle and you can grow the muscle. You just also have to understand that it will essentially run out also. It's, it's a resource. And so I just love the idea, just since we were talking about motivation, to also just talk about will because it is something that people don't always have, but you can grow and then understanding that you have to have balance. Yeah, yeah. that's really good. Super powerful, yeah. I think that, you know, that oh, I, I know that builds neurological pathways too, and so those kind of things tend to be easier because of those pathways. Mm -hmm. Just like a person who does drugs. I mean, they, they start with the drugs, but over a course of years, now it, they've, they burn that into their neurological pathways. Yeah. And so it's it's more of a habit. It's more of a, just something that they do. Mm -hmm. um, because and, and you can't... At least none of the studies that I've seen, there's no way to reverse that. So once you right. dig those trenches, uh, they're they're, per they're permanent. And so it's a good idea to make good, healthy decisions sure. from as young of an age as possible so that yeah. you get those. And I think that's probably what you did uh, probably early in life. You just kind of started those those healthy habits, mm -hmm. and that's, that's led you to where you're at now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, I think building will and building building those habits from early on is obviously the best choice but i don't think it's ever too late for anybody sure oh absolutely right? um with weight or with drugs or with poor decision making bad financial <laughs> decisions um it's never too late to start making good decisions yeah. i i love i love the um that old saying, you know, when is the best time to plant a tree? I was just thinking the same thing. Well, Ten years ago. <laughs> when is the next best time? Right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's never too late to start making good decisions um, because you will reap the fruit of those eventually. It just might take a little bit longer to reverse some of um, some of the growth that is the side effect of the decisions you have made in the past. Yeah. So, yeah. And when you're... Um, when you're working with your team, so you have a team at work, mm -hmm. do you try and instill some of those behaviors on them as well and help them to build those healthy habits? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I would like to say yes. I mean, I never know how good of a leader I actually am. Um, I just want to my, – my highest priority is taking care of people. Um, That's a good intention. While getting the job done. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. You have to get the job done. Um, but I want, I really want to take care of the people. And so I don't know if I'm ever quite as intentional. I'm sure I could be more intentional just as a, as a leader. But, um, my, my thing is, is really more of, you know, how, how are we doing with the job and how are you doing? And then tr training and everything else comes after that 
in the, I, I want us to be better. I feel like I spend a lot of my time trying to figure out ways for things to be better, but that's never um, my priority. Sure. And so, yeah, it's, it's hard for me to answer if I, I'm, I'm just not nearly as intentional probably as I should be when it comes to instilling certain things. Sure. Um, I like to read about them. Everybody, and I like to put them in practice in my own life and hopefully, you know. Yeah, I, I think everybody has different um, approaches to that. I, yeah. I liked one of the things I, I, I was watching a video from Joni Ivey. He's the head designer at Apple. Mm-hmm. And when Steve Jobs was alive, uh, he asked he asked Joni, um, he said, what, what are some of the things you've said no to recently? Well, he was talking about focus. And mm-hmm. so he said, what are some of the things you've said no to recently? It's like, oh, that's easy. I said no to this, no to this, no to this. And Steve called him out and said, you know, it's those were easy things to say no to. You didn't mm. really care about those. True right. focus. Yeah. And I'm making a different point, but I'm going to start there. Yeah. True focus is when you wake up with a burning passion. You want to do something so bad, mm. but because you're focused on something else, you put that aside still. Right. I thought that was really good. Yeah. He went on to talk to him about uh, the people. And, you know, Joni said, you know, I, he told Steve, he said, you know, I think we could be a little less harsh sometimes with the people. I think mm. we could. And he was talking to Steve, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we could <laughs> sure. soften that and be more people friendly. Yeah. And Steve said, you know, I'm, I'm really surprised at you, Joni. I, I thought you cared more. The reason you do that is because you're vain, because you care more about the way that people feel about you mm. than the work. Mm. Yeah. Said, you know, it, it cut. And the reason it cut is because it was true. Yeah. Because I really did. And I, as a leader, I have that. I know that. I'm very, very people-focused. I don't know that from for me it comes out of a place of vanity, but maybe it does. Yeah. Uh, but I'm very people-focused mm. first. And I believe that if you take care of the people, they take care of the problems. And so I used to tell my team, yeah. you know, I'm not responsible for the results. Um, I'm accountable for the results, just like you are. But I'm I'm responsible for the people mm. who are responsible for the results. Yeah, you guys are the ones that are responsible for the results. And That's if, good. if you're not providing that, I'm going to have an issue, right? Because we're all accountable. Yeah. Um, but I I need to take care of you and make sure that you're doing all right first. Yeah, that's good, man. I I really like that um, that approach. Yeah. I think it's, I think that's maybe even something that I could take uh, take on my team. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Nice. I um, have you heard? Are you familiar with Tim Ferriss? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Have um, you tribe of mentors? What is his uh, something theory? Is that I, I don't know which one. <laughs> uh, I think I'm getting him mixed up with. Yeah, I, Maybe. I'm familiar with. Yeah, so there's um, there's this book that I've been making my way through. It is a monster of a book. It's like 700 and something pages oh, long. Um, What's it called? It's called Tribe of Mentors. Oh, I see. Yeah, and so essentially, he um, Tim Ferriss is this. <laughs> An incredible uh, business-minded, you know, guy who uh, runs a very successful successful podcast. Um, I think well over a million plus listeners every single week. Look that up and see if that if that's the one I'm thinking of. It's something theory. Uh, you might you might be right. I'm I'm not uh, familiar enough with him to know all of his Tim Ferriss podcast. Probably. Anyway, so um, yeah, so he. Ha- he has these questions that he knows produce good answers because he's interviewed enough people over the years to know that like if i if i ask this question i will inevitably get great answers and so what he did is he took these i think it's like 15 or 13 questions and he sent them out to just the leaders of all of these different industries and and um areas of 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 work so like 
all of his favorite actors and business people, CEOs, the owners of, you know, um, boutique companies and athletes and artists. And um, he got 500 something responses. He sent out significantly more than that, but he got a lot of responses. That's a good. And some were very thoughtful. Some were incredibly thoughtful. And so it's a book, uh, a compilation of these responses. And so every section is, is maybe a page or two pages or three pages. It's, they're short, but it's the same, you know, again, maybe 15 questions, um, but answered by all these different people. And some of the questions are going to be like, what have you said no to lately? What is the best, your best purchase of you know, $100 or less? And granted, you're, you're talking about, you know, some millionaires, you know, and, and maybe even potential billionaires that are answering these questions, um, the leaders of all these different industries. And so they're fantastic. Or, you know, what, what is, um, what is your favorite book? What is, what is the book that you give away the most? Mm, that's a right? good one too. Um, there's, it's just all of these incredible questions. Every single one is good. Um, and so that book has been so fantastic to just, if you ever need to like, sit down and be able to read something really quick and get something right away from it. Um, I highly recommend Tim Ferriss's um, Tribe of Mentors. That's great. great book. Did, yeah. you, did you see a theme of uh, th- going throughout the answers? No, Was because there... you, you have all of these. I mean, there's like, you know, heads of architecture mm-hmm. and these, you know, incredible mathematicians. It's just, it's very uniquely different because you're hearing um, perspective from all of these different people that yeah. are very, very different. And so they, wow, that's incredible. Yeah, it's cool. Was there any any particular favorites that you had? I, I honestly can't um, even remember. I have I have a um, a section in my iPad with my notes that nice. is dedicated to just that. And so I created um, a lar- a large book list from it. So that's been like one of the big things is that I love to know what books have impacted people the most, especially in certain areas. And so that was you know incredibly helpful to say, okay, well I've seen this book listed by a number of these people um i should read it right if this book but is being you know is said to be one of the best books that this person has read in the last five years and it's been said you know three or four times it's probably pretty impactful and so creating the book list has been a big thing for me um and then just like little quotes and sayings and you know i think one of one of the questions like what advice have you given um, somebody in school in the last couple of years. I thought that was a really fantastic because we, of course, work with a lot of youth. Yeah. So I think that's um, important because you should be giving back and that, yeah. that helps you focus on, hey, remember, right. you know, even if, especially if you're very successful, you need to be giving back. Right. So anyway, that's, I'm sure it's incredibly off topic and no, just that's tangent, great. but um, yeah, Tim Ferriss. Yeah. Tribe of Mentors. Very yeah. Cool. We're just chatting here. So, uh, Whatever, yeah. whatever comes up is okay. is good. Sure, sure. So um, back on the the fitness <clears throat> side, because you're you're a very fit guy, and you talk about <laughs> eating healthy. Yeah. Uh, so so what are some of the things like what, when you say uh, you eat a healthy diet? What are some of those like what what do you define as a healthy diet? Because I, I think many people would define that very differently. Yeah, and I mean a healthy diet um, for David Goldman, right? For me. Um, is just portion control and watching, you know, watching my macros. I do not calorie count. I am not what I'm not counting my macros, um, but I did for a while, and that gave me uh, a that gave me some really good insight into a general idea of what food costs. Mm-hmm. And I say costs in 
caloric currency. <laughs> so I love that term. Look, yeah, caloric currency. Um, somebody tweet that. But yeah, I, I'll look at a hamburger and say, I know how much that costs, and I know how many calories I burned today playing squash. I love squash. I'm a big. I'm a big squash player. And I'll say it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. And so I do something again, David Goldman. What do I do? What is what is keeping me, um, you know, quote unquote healthy? Is I am a huge proponent of intermittent fasting. Okay. And so I do not eat. So um, so how many hours do you? Uh, uh, usually do you sixteen. Eat in a window? Yeah, six sixteen to eighteen. Okay. Um, so you fast is my, for sixteen. To I 18? fast for sixteen to eighteen hours. My window that I do not eat um, after is. I'd like to say eight o'clock, but I love popcorn with TV shows. That's like my guilty pleasure, and so I like to have um, popcorn sometimes at night. So sometimes it's not till like maybe nine o'clock, but for sure I don't eat between nine o'clock and um, usually like eleven forty-five or noon the next day, and so that's that's my window. I do not eat um, in the morning. I have water, um, sparkling water, regular water, black coffee. Um, or water with BCAAs in it, but it's that's it. No, no actual food until until noon, and so um, I've just trained my body, trained my stomach to be able to, you know, ha- hang out during that time period. Coffee gets me through. <laughs> um, yeah, it it uh, that helps my stomach feel full until lunch, and then at lunch. And dinner, see, the thing is, I like to eat big portions. I like to eat a big meal. I like to feel full. Um, that's not everybody. Some people are really okay with eating smaller meals throughout the day or snacking. And I would love to do that, but I really just enjoy feeling full. Mm-hmm. That's me. I, that, whatever. So, so to do, do you that, I. Are you hungry during the times that you're not eating, though? Like, do you, yeah, like, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm ready. I am, yeah, ravenous. But that allows me to, depending on, you know, how many calories I'm wanting to, um, you know, eat eat for a day. If I'm if I'm in a season of of cutting or in, in a season of bulking, my caloric intake for the day changes. So if I'm bulking, my caloric intake is you know twenty seven hundred to three thousand. If I'm cutting, my caloric intake might be seventeen hundred or two thousand. And so even at two thousand calories, I can have a big lunch and a big dinner and feel full twice a day and I'm already intermittent fasting so I don't need to worry about worry about breakfast and so that for me is just what allows me to to maintain consistency just like we were talking about um and so that again that's not everybody I feel like you need to find what works for you sure there's there's not a a gimmick or a a meal plan or anything that's gonna you know blanket cover um, everybody. It's just not going to be good for everybody because people need different things. They have different urges. And so that just works for me. Sure. But yeah. Um, and again, I like to have sweets. Sometimes I love to have a donut. You and, and I both have the same cookie. problem. <laughs> love to have a donut and, and a, a cookie. cookie. I like that. Donut and a cookie stacked together. I've been known to have four donuts. I'm not going to lie. Um, but when when I let myself go, I let myself go. But then I bring myself back, and I'm good yeah. for a long time. So, it's I think it's really important to cheat. I think it's really important to to have those breaks and discipline, so that you can build that build you know let your reserve fill back up. But you just have to watch your portions and how often your consistency. How often are you cheating? If you're cheating every single day, 
That's you're, not cheating. That's just <laughs> not eating. That's good. just not a lifestyle. Yeah, that's just. Or that is just, a lifestyle. Or it yeah. is a lifestyle. Yeah, it's just not um, choosing a healthy lifestyle. But if if you're gonna like, uh, for a long time, I only would allow myself to, um, you know, eat poorly or something on the weekends. Or one really good meal on a Saturday and one really good meal on a Sunday or one time a week. But I would give myself a day that I knew I could break from my discipline. And I, and I think that was um, very important for me to be able to maintain that. And that's probably what's allowed me to do that for the better part of 15 years is have some consistency throughout every area of fitness that I've done. Um, be it CrossFit or triathlons or powerlifting or now squash, you know, I've been able to maintain some kind of consistency with my my eating throughout all of these different things. Nice. Are you still weightlifting or just the squash right now? Or? I just started it back up. Yeah. So within like the last three weeks, I started. Um, I am a crazy guy. I like to get up early, early in the morning. How early? Uh, so my first alarm goes off at like four fifty-five, five o'clock on right. the dot. So that's not like. It's not crazy early, depending on who you ask. Sure. I think it's crazy early for a lot of people. It's crazy early for a lot of uh, people. For a lot of people. There are people who get up way earlier than me. Um, I am friends with a marathon runner guy at, at the gym. He's an ultra marathon runner. Those guys are crazy. Um, he gets up at midnight. He sleeps for like wow. three hours. He goes to bed at like you know eight o'clock, so maybe he'll sleep for four hours, and gets up at midnight and trains all night while everybody else is sleeping. That's crazy. So that makes my five o'clock sound less crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I get up at five o'clock. I'm at the gym at five thirty, and like I said, I love squash, and so I'll play squash from five forty-five to now seven fifteen. For a long time, for the better part of two years, I didn't lift weights at all and would play squash for two and a half hours. It's just an incredible amount of cardio. Wow. Um, so did you just notice because a I, reduction in, in muscle? Uh, muscle? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. My muscles just went away. <laughs> That's the problem with cardio. Cardio is great, but it's uh, yeah. it's not it's catabolic for the muscles. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's just recognizing, I feel like it's important to recognize the season that you're in. Um, I personally need to... Um, have something that's going to keep me getting up, right? And I've gone through all of these seasons, and then I burn myself out or get bored or whatever and recognize that it's time for change. So I did triathlons for, for two years. I did two, two seasons of triathlons, and that is an incredible amount of training. You spend a lot of time running or biking or in the pool or swimming somewhere, right? It's got to be hard to train for all three of those at the same time, too. Yeah, you really have to split it up throughout your week. and Or a lot of the days, you're doing two of them at a time. And then as you get closer to the triathlons, you would do all three. So I would actually run practice triathlons um, leading up to my actual triathlon. And so I loved it. And it, it was getting me up out of bed super early, right? Um, uh, Hal, Hal Elrod, Miracle Morning. Um, is a book that I that I read, and I think it's fantastic. I think everybody should read it. I bought it for uh, my wife, and I've bought it for my friends. If Tim Ferriss, Tribe of Mentors, asked me what book I have given the most, it would be um, probably, <laughs> probably that one, Miracle Morning. And he just talks about um, how important it is to, to find something that you're passionate enough about to get you out of bed in the morning. Um, and so that for me has been with whichever type of fitness that I've been in at the time until I recognized the need for change. Right. So triathlons at the time, 
made me excited at night. I would get excited as I was packing my gym bag for the next day and packing my clothes for the next day. And I was excited to wake up because I was going to break my PR in the pool or I was going to break my PR for the run. I'm, I'm a challenger. I challenge myself more than anybody else. And so those are the kinds of things that would get me out of bed. As soon as I stopped having this intense desire to get out of bed to go you know, do whatever, I realized, okay, it's time for change. And so me and my buddy would go do CrossFit. I have a training partner, um, David Eifert, best friend. We've been working out together for 10 years. And we just start to recognize within the other person, it's time for a change. You don't seem passionate about this anymore. And so, you know, he he wanted to do powerlifting, right? So he he just bulked up and was able to lift. He's a just, big guy too. Yeah, he, and he, can, he, he was able to lift really heavy. incredible amounts of weight for his for his three big lifts. Um, and so I thought that was fantastic. And so I, I supported him and, and lifted with him and trained with him. And so that was a lot of fun. And then eventually, after the competitions, stopped being passionate. Like it stopped getting us out of bed. And so we did CrossFit, right? Super fun. We had a community, like we we had all of our friends from the church and you know different family groups coming, and we'd call up buddies. We're doing this in in the mornings every single morning or four days a week. It's a blast. We have all these people. You should come, right? We were inviting people, and it was awesome. And it was like getting getting to hang out with your friends four days a week in the morning. So that got me out of bed for a long time, until it didn't, <laughs> right? Until I just lost that passion, and other people got busy. And things just slowly declined, and we said, hey, it's time for change. Yeah, it's time to find something else. And so David was <laughs> said, because we've been, we had been, um, you know, bodybuilding and powerlifting and CrossFit, like all these weights, and he's like, you want to try like a cardio thing? And I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> what are you thinking? And he said, I've always thought like racquetball could be cool. So I said, yeah, let's do it. So we, we joined a gym here in Albuquerque that had racquetball courts, and we had no idea what we were doing. We had only watched like one or two YouTube videos on racquetball, watched the rules, literally just the rules, and then figured it out from there. Um, but the gym that we went to had this incredible community of people that played racquetball, and so we played it for a few months, and then someone introduced me to squash. <laughs> And my life has been forever changed. What's what's different about squash? How does that work? Because I've I've never played squash before. Yeah. So have you played racquetball? Yeah, I have. So you and, hit a racquetball and handball as well. Yeah. So handball is a little bit different um, because it's a thicker, denser ball, right? If anybody's ever hit a racquetball, it feels like flubber. Like you touch this thing and it's gonna bounce around. It's gonna hit you in the back of the head when you're not even right. Um, that's racquetball. It's in a big court. And you just have to hit the, the front wall. And so we played it, and we got really competitive with it. Squash is a little bit smaller of a court. Not much smaller, but a little bit smaller of a court. And you play with a tiny little ball. It's just a hair smaller than a golf ball. And the thing doesn't bounce. I mean, hardly at all. It is it is a thick, rubber little ball. It's hollow. It is hollow, but um, it just doesn't bounce. You, you barely get one bounce out of it. And you it's a little bit longer of a racket than racquetball. And it's just like chess. If if racquetball is checkers, squash is chess. They say the better you get at a racquetball, the shorter the rally, the shorter that one point is. Because if you're really good, you're just gonna cream it, and the other guy's not gonna be able to get to it. You're gonna they call it rolling it out. You hit it so low that it rolls back on the ground. You hit the front wall, and it rolls back on the front on the on the ground towards you. That's racquetball. That like if you watch the pros, the very best people in the world at racquetball, it's like 
the serve, the return, the kill, <laughs> right? Um, they say that squash is very different in that um, the better you get at squash, the longer the rallies get. And so if you watch the very best guys, you know, it's called the PSA. It's the Pro Squash Association. If you, if you watch the PSA players, their rallies will last 30, 40 hits. And it's if you're going to – because it's a little bit of a smaller court and a longer racket with a ball that doesn't bounce – and so you should, in theory, be able to get to everything. And so for you to be able to get the, the point on your opponent, your, your hit has to be perfect, right? It has to be amazing. And so to do that, you have to hit him and get him in the back corner and then get him in this back corner and then get him in the front corner and then put him in the back corner on the other side of the court. It's chess. You're, you're thinking three or four hits ahead versus cream and kill. And so it's an incredible amount of running. And to be able to, you want to keep the center of the court. And so you just kind of lunge. So it's like running lunges. Um, today, I ran three, three and a half miles um, playing squash. And it's like running lunges for three and a half miles. So it's it's a pretty good workout. That's incredible. Yeah. I was just, I was reading something about, uh, what is that? Agility training. Because <clears throat> I've, I've been real interested. I You know, I like training. I like uh, the science behind it, those kind sure. of things. So I, yeah. I looked into agility training. What I found is that there's studies that show for agility training, uh, you know, people who would do it and they knew what they were going to do, they, uh -huh. they got a certain level of improvement. But where you really got a lot of improvement it would is when you didn't know which direction to go. Oh, interesting. So they did it where they would say, like, you know, they'd have a partner and you'd go, Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. Yeah, so that, you're reliant on. Yeah. Your and then partner. you just yeah. got to do it, you know, based on the hand <laughs> signals. And mm -hmm. that's where the true agility uh, em enhancements came from. Interesting. And so I think it sounds like squash would be fantastic for agility training. Yeah. That would be a good like supplemental thing. for oh, absolutely. Any sport, basketball, right. football. Yeah. Well, it's it's um yeah, you have to wear really great shoes for it because it's just a lot of uh, cross training. So you're running, you're running back and forth. You're doing these really sharp cuts. Squash is literally about tricking your opponent. And so I'll look one way and hit it down this way, right? And so my opponent is, is running this way and then last minute has to break, you know, break the other way. And so it's, an, it's incredible agility. Um, and then it's just also learning how to read people. So yeah. there's, I feel like there's a lot of benefit to, to squash and even the, the community of squash in Albuquerque is growing again. Um, obviously, you know, I wasn't around in the early 70s, but apparently in the early 70s um, in Albuquerque, there's this incredible racquetball and squash community. Wow. Just hundreds of, of people playing and, and like just matches every single day and you had to fight for the courts. Like there's barely enough courts and there was lots of places that you could play and it just slowly died for, for whatever reason. And so now there's only one. Back. Yeah, there's there's really only one place in town that you can play squash. There's only a couple that you can play racquetball. And um, hopefully we're bringing it back. Sure. So yeah, that, that'll to, be to everyone who's listening, go play squash. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be it's like fun. one of those orange orange theory things where it just starts and then it expands. Hopefully. Yeah. 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 You would like playing with Collins. Uh, he he doesn't play squash, mm -hmm. but if he learned, uh, he'd it'd be a fantastic. Uh, opponent on yeah. that. Yeah. Well, and you, and you don't have to know how to play squash to play squash. Yeah. You, can, you can go in and the community of people is so great that everybody's willing to teach you and, and just to show you how to how to get into the game. Um, even just in the two years that I've been playing, the community has grown a lot, which is fantastic. It's, it's really encouraging. Um, but a lot of even tennis players, like I have a friend from Boston who um, 
his cardio is crazy. So he he played uh, he played tennis in college, and then um, he runs marathons. And he lives in Boston, right? It's cold up there, cold, cold. And it doesn't matter what time of year it is; it'll be the middle of winter. He bikes to work and runs home. And in Boston, they have those city bikes, so you just hop on. I love those. You hop on I his, saw those in California. Yeah, he he goes to you know the bottom of his the apartment. And he hops on a bike, and he bikes the 14 miles to work, and runs the 14 miles to home in the middle of the winter. The kid's crazy. Incredible tennis player. Long story short, he comes and plays squash at a very high level just because racket skills are racket skills. If, you have, if you've been hitting a ball at all, um, you could change it a little bit, tweak it a little bit, and, and play squash or racquetball. So any tennis players, come play squash. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds it sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds like a lot of work too. Uh, very much cardio heavy. Yeah, I mean, and there's obviously you know you find an opponent that's at your level, and so it's hard for you there. And I've I've been playing with a guy that we started squash together, um, and we were at the same level. And we've just grown and grown and grown and grown and grown, and now we're playing at the highest level you can play at in New Mexico, wow. which is fantastic. But it's just again, it's the community of people that's helped us grow to to this level. And so um, it should always be hard, and you never want it to get easy. But I feel like the the people that we have playing allow that to happen. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. There's a, an event here in Albuquerque on Wednesdays. It's at a place called Fat Pipe. Yeah, um, and it's it's one million cups. So I think they have like 130 different yeah. cities that they're in. Yeah, I'm familiar. The with one it. here is actually the third largest in the United States. Really? It's, I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, I wouldn't have either. Especially with our our community is pretty small. I think what do we have a million? million people in Albuquerque something like that something I have like no idea yeah look at that up. look that up uh, <laughs> Google it and you can you can switch uh, we got it worked out now where you can actually put that on the screen too if you if you put it up there if you're watching there we go If you're watching yeah um, so it's it's the third largest anyway I was there and and the the lady who heads that her name is Sonia she's actually gonna come on the podcast too. oh how cool that's yeah. awesome uh, but I they can't have, wait to hear her they yeah she's she's really she's entertaining for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I love it though. They have a, a sign there that says, if you, if you, if, if it just got hard for you, uh, you just leveled up or something right. like that. I, I really <laughs> like that. Yeah. Whoa. 558,545 people. That was as of 2017. Okay. So yeah. So probably a little bit more than that, but in New Mexico, we have two point, almost 2.1 million people. Wow. Well, and they say with, um, Netflix, you know, being here, we can expect to see a. I didn't know Netflix was here. Are they are they coming? What's that? Pretty sure they're here. Take the Google it. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure the Netflix studio. Ne um, now you got your work cut out for you, Colin. There you go. Yeah, Net Netflix studio Albuquerque. Yeah. Netflix buys New Mexico studio. Yeah. So um, Netflix is here, and I um, I know we're going to be shooting a lot, and so um, I I actually it was a crazy thing. So my in laws. <clears throat> were at some restaurant, I don't know, and they were just out for a happy hour, I think, and uh, this was the week before Thanksgiving, and they're they're sitting there having having a drink, and they just happened to make conversation with this this guy, and they're talking, and he's like, oh yeah, you know, I'm a I'm an AD for uh, for AD. the wa for Walking Dead, yeah, and what? they're like, well, what, what's an AD? Oh, okay. He's like, oh, the assistant director. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's fascinating. So yeah, they they just end up you know talking with him for the rest of the night, and he's like, yeah, I've worked on Transformers and Avengers and blah blah blah, and his just resume is going on and on, and I think their eyes are getting bigger, and so um, 
my in-laws are incredible people and they just love to invite random people to holidays. They, they have, my wife is saying forever, right? And so um, we were hosting Thanksgiving this last year. And so they're like, hey, we, we hope you don't mind. We invited a guy. We're like, what do you mean a guy? Like we have, we have a baby at the house. What are you inviting people for? And they're like, no, he, he's cool. We, you know, we vetted him. It's like, what do you mean? Well, we talked to him for, for a couple hours. But he ended up coming, and it was awesome. And so, yeah, I had this assistant director um, from Hollywood that was in my house on Thanksgiving, you know, eating turkey and mashed potatoes with me. But it was so cool to, to hear some of the things that he had to say just about even Netflix coming to Albuquerque because he said, um, man, you just watch. He's like, I've seen it happen in other cities where a, a big studio, not even nearly as big as Netflix, has come and it's really changed the, the demographic of that city because you have all of these new needs that pop up. He's like, if you really want to be smart, he said you should open up like a, a tent rental or a radio rental thing here in Albuquerque because all of these, the, all of these studios, you know what they need all the time? Tents and radios. They run out of radios like crazy. And so he's just like, there's, there's all of these like unique things that, that, um, set sets need. And those are the things that are really going to grow. Not to mention the people that are going to be coming, the actors that are going to be coming just Albuquerque for opportunity to be in some Netflix. So yeah. So that I was like, wow, that's really encouraging to hear from you who probably knows what you're talking about. Probably knows what you're talking about. Probably. So long tangent, but yeah, Netflix is here. Way to go Albuquerque. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I we're we're really big in the film industry. I actually just met a girl today. She was saying that uh, she worked with some on a stunt set or something like that. And I said, "Oh, are you a stunt stunt person?" I was joking with her, and she goes, "Yeah." It's like, "Oh, you really are a stunt person." <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. yeah. She's like, "I take falls. I do the flying scenes." What? I would love to do that. <laughs> I think I, I, that would be a really bad thing for you, David. How many how many bones have you broken I already? Don't know. Almost thirty. So thirty at thirty. Yeah. Oh, that should be a new goal. 30 at 30. <laughs> that should not be a I new I should go goal. do something. Uh, Netflix. <laughs> I would love to do stunts. I've, look, I've fallen enough. I feel like I'm getting pretty good at it. Maybe I could figure out a way to fall and, and not get hurt. I uh, used to dream about being uh, a stunt guy. Interesting. That's the coolest thing ever. You got you to gotta be around explosions and jumping off buildings. And for the most part, they're not going to let you hurt yourself because they're you know, pads and airbags. And, and you get to do fun things and get paid. In my mind, as a kid, I was thinking millions, probably not, but probably not bad salary. Depends. I'm sure there's some yeah, really if you're, good if you're stunt doing people a out there. Big film. Look that up. What's the average salary for a, a stunt person? Yeah, um, here in in Albuquerque, that so that we did the Breaking Bad show, which like they know worldwide now oh for my whatever. Gosh. I've never even seen. I've never seen a full episode of Breaking Bad. Really? I haven't. I'm I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to watch it one day. I'm getting through Lost right now. I oh think sure. Season yeah. four, almost five. Okay. Uh, but the people that had the house here in Albuquerque that they did, you know, they there was a scene. Where I got they a story for pizza you. On yeah. Top of it. yeah, yeah, and oh, yeah. They got they got frustrated because people kept. I mean, the the show was over and people kept coming and throwing pizzas on top of the house, <laughs> and so they put out this news article, and that's how I found out about it. Yeah, yeah. It said uh, it was them basically saying, "Please stop throwing pizzas on our house." Yeah, yeah. Seventy thousand. Well, that's. That's up, not bad. Up, up the highest end stuntman can make up to $250,000 a year. So, yeah, you can be a millionaire being a stuntman if you can do it more than four years. Yeah, see, I'd be happy with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so back to Breaking Bad. I live 
like a hundred feet from that house. <laughs> they sold it, right? It, so it hasn't. No, new... it's still them. Okay. It's it's still it's still them. I I know them. They're they're very sweet. Um, they're older. Yeah, they're they're older and um are tired of people, dude. It would get so frustrating. I kid you not. Every single day, all day. I I don't work on Fridays, and so I am out in the yard raking and picking up pine coals. I hate pine trees. I have them all over my. They surround my house, and they hate me. And they drop pine cones and pine needles on our house and all over our property all year round. So what's what's the deal with the pine cones? Oh, I just hate them because I'm always picking them up. (laughs) So just an irritant for you. Yeah. But I spend a lot of time outside, and it doesn't matter what time of day. It'll be 7 a.m. in the morning, and people will be coming, stopping in front of my house um, because it's on a T. The, the street is on a T, and I we have a corner house. And so people will come and stop in front of our house and walk up to that house because there's all these signs and gates and cones now uh, because they really don't like people parking in front of their house. So now people park in front of my house. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Um, all day. It, it'll be it'll be nine o'clock at night, and there'll be people. Then, of course, you have to include the buses and like the RV that that is the Breaking Bad RV that that comes by twice a day throughout the weekends. It's crazy. It is crazy, and I would be frustrated if I was them, also. Yeah. Because you don't know. Like we we um, when my wife and I we recently bought the house in the area, so just in the last year, and um, we were pulling up. And she's like, go away. <laughs> and I stuck my head out the window. She was, was like, telling you that? Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I'm your new neighbor. And she's like, oh, oh, okay, sorry. And so, of course, she, you know, she lined up right away. And um, she's like, we're not trying to be mean, but, like, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. Mm-hmm. Um, she said even after season two, they didn't even know if there was going to be a season three. It's not like they were like, hey, can we film in your house? a show that's going to blow up worldwide and people are going to be bugging you for the next 15 years. Oh, longer than that, it'll probably continue. Yeah. I mean, in uh, San Francisco, the full house house. Yeah. Still, there's yep. still tours that go by. Same thing with yeah. the Marty McFly house yeah. from back to the future. They, so, they hate it too. They're, yeah. they're like, we're so, so sick of this. So I feel bad. I feel, I honestly feel bad for them um, because they are, they are sweet people. They get a bad rap. Um, granted, they spend a lot of time outside yelling at people, so that doesn't, you know, that doesn't help. But it's it's hilarious. I can absolutely attest to the fact that people are there every single day, all day still. Breaking wow. Bad. When when I worked at Faith Comes By Hearing, I had incredible opportunity to uh, travel around the world, and um, in every country that I would go to, I love to talk to my cab drivers. I feel like you get the goods. You get the inside scoop from your cab drivers. They probably know everything that's they going do. on. They do. They know maybe. everything. They're paying attention. And so if you want to know politics or socioeconomics, whatever, it's like they're going to have they're going to have their finger on the pulse. But they would always say like, "Oh, where are you from?" And I'd say, "Albuquerque." You know what they'd say? "Breaking Bad." Absolutely. It's like, "You got to be kidding me. I'm in Calcutta, India." And then, "Oh, Breaking Bad?" Yes, Breaking Bad. Yep. Um, we the are known is, around the though, world for Breaking Bad. Everybody used to think that New Mexico wasn't in the United States. You'd say, oh, I'm from New Mexico. And they're like, uh, you're in Mexico? No, no, we, we live in the United States. I, right next to Colorado and Texas. Oh, wait a yeah, minute. That right in between. That doesn't help. Let me clarify some more. Right. But yeah, yeah now at least we have Albuquerque where we can say, oh, Albuquerque, Albuquerque Breaking, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was in New York um, many, many years ago. It was actually... 
it was crazy. It was um, just a few weeks before 9-11, mm. actually, and I was in New York. And <laughs> I don't know if we were getting a hot dog or something, but uh, the guy was like, where are you from? And we're like, oh, you know, New Mexico. He said, wow, you speak very good English. <laughs> I'm like, thank you. You do too. You know we're both in the part of the same country, right? We both live in the United States. So yeah, I guess I guess that's one benefit. Now people know where Albuquerque is. But you'd be surprised at how many people still don't know about New Mexico. That's true. They think there's just a, a hole between, you know where Arizona is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Texas? Oh, yeah, I love Texas. Colorado? Denver. Well, New Mexico is between all of those. Oh. Yeah, part of the okay. four corners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so surprises me still. But yeah, Breaking Bad. Wow. So I wonder why they don't just sell that house. I, because, because I thought they I because thought they're, they had they're sold old it. and retired and that's, that's I see. That's so their just, family house. They've they been there for forty seven years. Oh my goodness. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's not like they just recently bought the house and haven't decided. No, they've they are old and retired and I shouldn't keep saying old. They are retired older elderly people there you go. who um yeah are not going to pick up and move all of their According Life. according to Collins, everyone over thirty is old. How old are you now? Hey, I'm not old yet. All right, I'm turning thirty. I'm thirty three. Turning so thirty in a couple months. I'm actually getting some gray right here too. I don't know if you can see it. I can't. Just oh. keep it short. Nobody yeah. will ever know. I don't mind. I actually like the gray. I think yeah. it looks good. Oh yeah, it's very yeah. Be- very becoming. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> it makes uh, it gives me more credibility, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, it will um, help your podcast. Maybe. Yeah, people will say, "Oh, that guy must know what he's talking about." Look at all the gray. (laughs) Speaking of, uh, for everybody that's listening and watching, if you wouldn't mind subscribing, especially on YouTube, I'd appreciate it. I'm trying to get to 100 subscribers. Do it. YouTube's got these rules. uh, So 100 subscribers, and then I can customize my URL. So Mm -hmm. right now it's like YouTube or U dot whatever it is, slash x five six seven nine four i mean this this crazy so thing. annoying uh, yeah I yeah just, i want i want to customize that so <laughs> right. once i get to 100 subscribers i can do that very cool yeah go subscribe this guy this, this good guy knows what he's talking <laughs> about so then once i get i think it's a thousand then i can monetize so then i start getting paid Cha-ching. for viewers yeah yeah so if you do the youtube monetization you know just where they pay you for the number of views i think it's two dollars per thousand views so you okay you know on some of these ones where they have five million views that's that's pretty good that's decent yeah, yeah. but then there's other ways too um i've joined a couple of affiliate programs okay make some affiliate yeah links and things yeah. like that so that'll I, be coming in the future when i when i can dude that's awesome i i wish you the the very best of luck Thanks. i watch a lot of youtube yeah i do too <laughs> i learn everything well either books or youtube <laughs> It's great. I was, I was, my wife on her Acura, you know, they've got the window trim. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and it's starting to crack now. It's sure. starting to, and I was like, I wonder how hard that is to replace it. So I just look it up on YouTube. YouTube. And there's a video, and the guy's like, oh, you just pop it out right here. And yeah. then you put in this new one, you just snap it. Yeah. It's way easier than I thought. I thought you had to take the whole door panel off. And some vehicles you do. Sure. Yeah. But on hers, you don't. Uh, you just literally pop it out, mm-hmm. pop the new one back in there. Yeah. It's $40, $40 a piece. So for, you know, $160. Uh, we'll be able to do the entire car. Yeah, but how how much would Acura charge oh, you? Oh, would. How many how many hours of labor at one hundred and forty dollars an hour? Yep. Yeah. So well, big, they have their savings. minimums. Even if it takes them fifteen minutes, you know, a minimum still got to charge an hour. Yep. Yeah. I just um, on my wife's vehicle, uh, we were selling it, and her regulator on the uh, passenger side door was going out, and the handle carrier on her driver's side door. So we couldn't open the driver's side door or roll down the passenger side window. And so, yeah, I watched YouTube videos and ordered the parts and did all Isn't that. Isn't that great? Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. 
I used to have a Ford Ranger. I had to replace both, you know, with the hand crank windows. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I had to replace both of the regulators on there. That was back in the day before YouTube existed. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I've never had to do a regulator on, a, on like, a mechanical one. I'm not sure if that would be easier or harder. I mean, obviously now with, without the hand crank, it's just a motor. But this is, like, a whole other moving part. But I guess if – is it just a It was just gears? one part. Is it just – a bunch of gears that that's go all it was yeah and yeah. it was really just one part you unbolted i think there was two bolts you uh -huh. pulled it off you stuck the new one on there and you had it yeah i, got, I went to a junkyard got them i think they were like five dollars a piece oh nice um you know i i beat that truck up though. yeah that's what rangers are for did you see the new ranger no oh my gosh hey can we pull it up look up uh 2019 ford ranger these trucks are sweet show it on the screen too and thanks thomas for the recommendation on on that See, look at these things. Oh, yeah. That actually looks like a Toyota, like a uh, like a Tacoma, uh, Tacoma a little bit, or yeah. a Tundra. Go to see if see if there's one of like a side image. Which one's the smaller one, the Tundra? The Tacoma. Tacoma. The Tacoma is the smaller one, and then the Tundra is the bigger one. Yeah, it looks like a Tacoma. Yeah, they're, they are they are sweet looking sweet And then looking that, trucks. that back part with the plastic <coughs> actually looks like the um, Chevy Avalanche. Was that what it was? Oh, kind of, yeah. I feel like that one looks a little interesting. That's kind of like a, I don't know if that's a so the thing with that, sport option or something. The thing with that is it's an, um, you can put that in specifically for the vehicle itself. So a lot of people use their Ithacas, um for aerodynamics. So people that didn't want to have so much drag in the bed. Oh, sure. Get a shell. Yeah, oh, that makes sense. So it's an o the plastic is an optional thing. Yeah, I think if you go to like if you go to this oh, one, yeah, you'll see that it, that might have just been the yeah the, that was the just sport the, option. Wow, or something. that's really nice. Yeah, it, it almost feels too nice for a Ranger. The part of what I like about the Rangers is they're just kind of beat them up trucks. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I don't think I'd want to beat that truck up. Right. It's significantly um, bigger than the uh, previous model Ford Ranger. Gosh, what year were Ford Rangers even around? Oh my goodness, nineties. There's Late another, 90s? There's another question, Colin. We're keeping you on your Google toes. This is Isn't pretty Google good. Google great. Oh, gosh. The Googles. I don't know what I do with that. I just, I, so, so I went to an event recently and I, I went, uh, I, I got a whole bunch of business cards. Yeah. And I was kind of paying attention, but not really. <laughs> and I went home and I started looking through these business cards. Well, one of them uh, said Josh Rivera. Uh -huh. And I was like, whoa, that's, that's, that's a guy that I went to high school. We were like really good friends. Oh, sure. In yeah. Freshman year of, of high school uh, -huh. uh so the next event i connected with him but i don't know where i was going with that sure uh google oh yes he's the, the one power that, of yes, the googles thanks. he's the one that introduced i remember i was sitting in class he was doing a presentation uh -huh. he's like oh i've been using this new search engine it's called google <laughs> i was like i use dogpile what's google right and uh i think it was a year later they own the world right yeah google google has taken over the world yeah. it's incredible the, the i stuff. can't imagine living with that what what year was that what did they say 1983 for the Ford Ranger. Wow. Mm, yeah, yeah, so it's been around two years longer than I I have. I have fond memories of Ford Rangers. Um, <laughs> one of my makes me laugh just thinking about it. One of my good buddies in high school had this beat 'em up Ford Ranger. Is kind of red. It was supposed to be red, but after years and years of sun and and not being taken More care pink. of, pink. Yeah, <laughs> just like kind of rust colored, and so. Um, we would beat the heck out of this thing. And so I don't remember what year it was exactly. It might have been 2008 when we had that crazy winter. Oh, that crazy year. winter yes, storm. Yes, I remember that. And so <clears throat> we uh, we went to Sandia um, and had was graduated. Was it a four-wheel drive? No, this is okay. a two-wheel drive. 
<laughs> which what which is what made it so much fun. And so <clears throat> we had all graduated from Sandia years before. And um the parking lot freezes over really well. <laughs> and so we took um, and it's the parking lot with the pool. So if you have been to Sandia Pool, yeah. you know what parking lot I'm talking about. And it's it's actually got this this incline. It starts from the east and then uh, declines down towards the west. And you can really get up some speed before the big icy patch. And so what we <laughs> would do when it would get really wintry, when it really wintry like that, when it would get really snowy that's, and cold. That's a new word that, wintry, that I like. Yeah, yeah wintry. tweet it. Um we would hashtag wintery. Yeah, we would cruise down this, you know, from the top of the parking lot, and as soon as we would hit this icy patch, you would crank the steering wheel and slam. This is the the, the, the e brake, yeah. yeah, on the foot e brake. I did that. Crank it, you know, slam the e brake, and just see how many times we could spin all the way down through the parking lot, or we'd go in reverse and then you know fly backwards and do the same thing, J turn, and that's really good training though. Uh, because you learn how to drive on ice that way, or snow, and I mean all that stuff. Yeah. So when you start to slip, you're like, oh, okay, I know what this. Until like. you hit the median, you can't see. Yeah, because that's probably it's not a good idea. <laughs> and so that was a lot of fun until. You that. didn't break any bones that day, did you? No, no. I think the car broke an axle though. Oh. So yeah, kids don't do that. Yep. But it was fun. Well, it was a lot the parking of parking lots. Well, no, don't do that. I can't recommend <laughs> it. They. Ideas. Hey, 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 hey. That, <laughs> Don't do that. Disclaimer. <laughs> do, do as I, no. Don't do as I say. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't do anything that I've ever done. Ever. 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 Unless you just intentionally want to break thirty bones, and an axle. And an axle, a couple axles. We we used to do a lot of off roading here in Albuquerque. So I can't tell you how many axles and U joints and things that we have broken and either repaired or towed back into Albuquerque in the middle of the night from just because. We got a little zealous with our off-roading. I see your ramp off that dirt hill, and I raise you. <laughs> yeah, don't do that either. No. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of fun times. Thanks for your disclaimer. That's good. Yeah, don't do that. Man, I have some stories. Um, Highland High School, too. That's another... I know you said Sandia, but hi, you yeah. made me think of Highland High School. That's another landmark here in Albuquerque. Yeah. Um, Beavis and Butthead was actually so the kid who the guy who made that <laughs> did he go to Highland High School? <laughs> and the whole school is that in Beavis and Butthead is actually made off of Highland High School. Oh my gosh, that's too funny! I had just, no idea. He took that, yeah, yeah. I don't know how we degraded from uh, extreme motivation to Beavis and Butthead, but hey, there's a, a little fact for you. Hey, we should have done the disclaimer at the beginning of this podcast. Buckle up. That's right. You have no idea where we're going to go. <laughs> we're going to go off on Because this we don't know where we're going to go. That's the best way to do it, yeah. I think. Yeah. No, totally. It's been fun. It's been yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. So uh, so what should we, where do we, where do we go from here? Where do we go from Beavis, Beavis and Butthead? That's a good question. So um, you do photography. Let's, I do do photography. Tell me oh, yes. Photography. Plug. Go like my, just kidding. Yeah. What? what? <laughs> Where where can people find you? Yeah, so I know, uh, I I've only done this once, so I say normally. My intention is to do that at the end, but let's go for it now. Yeah, no, love that. Um, yeah, my my site is is David Jesse Photo dot com. J E S S E, J E S S E. David Jesse Photo. Yeah, I do um, engagement, elopement, and wedding photography. Um, ooh ooh, can we go to the thing? Yeah, go to the thing. Yeah, now that we have it, there. see, ah, technology. I love it. Um, yeah, so I started, I actually, this passions, man, I just have these weird things that I have learned how to do 
and it, they almost all have an interesting start. But when I was at Faith Hymns by Hearing and I was doing travel for these events, um, I had the thought, man, you know, we should have photos of all of these places that we're going because really cool things are happening and they're just pretty and it would be good for us to have content so that we could share with our donors, right? I'm thinking fundraising. And um, we didn't have the funds to send a photographer. Just, just type in davidjessephoto.com. Um, yeah, you're, we didn't. You're, you're still on Google. We didn't have a photographer that could go with us everywhere we were going, and so I just said, "Hey, uh, I pick things up pretty quickly. <laughs> can you? Can I talk to our our camera guy?" And um, do, do it up top. Oh, in the, the yep, actual bar. Not me. Not me. David Jesse Photo. I have a little bit more hair than that. <laughs> there you go. That's me. And so, um, anyway, I talked to our our photo guy, and I'm like, "Hey, can you?" Can you just give me like a 101 on a camera, on a DSLR? Just show me the ropes. Teach me a little bit about, you know, ISO and depth of field. And so he did. He was he was so awesome. And I took I took this Canon. Um, it was a 60D. Canon 60D. I still remember. I still remember learning it. And I took it with me to um, this really cool uh, Christian campus in L.A. called, called um, Biola, which is a really cool uh, college university there. And I just spent spent all of my free time just wandering around the campus taking photos uh that was like a new a new outreach of creative it was a new thing that i could do and use some of my creative brain for and so i came back and i filmed while i was out there like never never picked up a camera before right while i'm out there film multiple interviews and do all of these photos and come back and i have never edited video but i thought Maybe I can like cut up the interviews and do something really cool. They ended up using the, the videos that I that I shot, the interviews that I shot, the photos in all of these different areas. And so I'm like, oh man, like I could do this. And so for a while, everywhere I went, I would just say, Hey, can I borrow the camera? And at that point I had already kind of established the fact that I could shoot. So they would let me take the camera and, and the lenses that I wanted and the the microphone and go shoot interviews and That's awesome. and so that just kind of grew this passion out of nothing i never wanted to become a photographer in high school i never took photo it just wasn't i've always been creative but that wasn't ever something that i knew that i could do or would even care about doing until this happened and so um i started shooting more and more and more and i, t I was talking to my wife one day and i said i think i could maybe like make money doing this is that a crazy is that, is that a, like a, a crazy thought and she was super supportive and i said i, I like I'll, I'll have to like develop some capital so that we can put put some money down on a good camera and good glass that's uh lens good lenses and you know the camera itself the just the body the body really expensive yeah and so i did a lot of research and i had i um I'm super blessed in that I just have a lot of friends who happen to be very good photographers. I don't know how I ended up with many friends that are photographers. It's weird. I have a friend that shot photography in the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. I have another friend that shoots um, in in uh, these huge uh, theater halls. I have another friend that shoots for the red car for red carpets in L.A. Um, and I have friends that shoot wedding photography here in Albuquerque that are very well known. So I reached out to all my friends. I'm like, guys, I think I want to do this. And they were, of course, super supportive. And they just helped me land on like a camera and a glass. And they said, if you're going to do it, do it right. Get the good equipment. <laughs> like, don't work your way up. Just go all in 
and and make it happen because they know they know me they know my personality i'm I'm an all-in kind of guy and i will make something successful and just if you don't mind answering on just on the equipment what was the startup cost on that I think my all-in startup cost was sixty-five hundred or seven, seven grand. So that's a pretty large commitment. That was a huge up. commitment. Um, and in fact, I, I took out um, loans from friends. Um, I, I did trades to start. I so I reached out to a realtor friend of mine, and I said, like, hey, this is what I'm wanting to do. I'm learning how to do this, but I've already done done enough of it that I know how to edit some videos and and shoot. I'll do 10 houses for you and six videos of houses um, if you give me $1,500 to help me get into it. So I did that. I had a couple of those going. I mean, I owed everybody everything, (laughs) right, to get into it. But um, I hustled, dude. The first year I hustled so hard and I was able to pay off everything. And um, I had paid off all that debt. And within the first year, um, just shooting photography. And um, yeah, now a couple years in, I still want to grow it. I, that's, I mean, it's hard to find the time to do it, but um, I love, 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 love um, shooting engagements and elopements and weddings. It's just so much fun. And of course, I have all of this event background. That's like where my mind is all the time. And so I feel like that gives me this unique perspective on weddings. And so when I'm talking to when I'm talking to people about the, their wedding day, I can say, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? And I almost always end up wearing multiple hats, even while I'm shooting the weddings, almost helping direct the, the events or working directly with the wedding coordinator to make sure that everything is going smoothly. So it's something that um, has really turned into something very cool. If you need any wedding engagement, elopement, any special anniversary photography, Give me a call. I'd love to love to chat with you. But yeah, thanks for letting me plug that, man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Super cool. Yeah. No, um, photography has just been um, an incredible passion that I've learned that I had. But I think even more so than that, I love to talk about it mm-hmm. and I love to teach people. I, I love. I remember people. when you were telling me about the slow motion. Who was that guy? Um, you, you told Peter me McKinnon. Peter McKinnon. Oh yeah. If if you care about photos or video at all. One, you probably know who Peter McKinnon is. If you don't, you need to know who Peter McKinnon is. He um, he is incre- wildly successful on YouTube right mm-hmm. now. He is um, arguably one of the best f- photo videographer YouTubers out there. Um, within within I think two or three years, um, he's grown an in- a YouTube from zero to over three million. Oh my goodness! View, uh, subscribers. Subscribers, subscribers, not viewers, yeah. subscribers. Um, his stuff is absolutely fantastic. And that's where I honestly learned a lot of what I know today is just watching hundreds, I I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of hours of YouTube videos from all of these different people learning different techniques and just training the eye for composition and for exposure and just style. You have to You have to develop your own style, and that takes a really... For me, it took a long time because you can you can copy people, right? Um, I read this book called Steal Like an Artist. <laughs> and that's what Apple does. That's what everybody does. There's, that's there, true. There is, there is just almost no true, like, original art anymore. Everything has been done and manipulated, right? And so any any graphic, any content that you're seeing now – it's like there has it has been done before in history, and you're finding new ways to ma- or ways to make it new, ways to make it feel new, ways to change it, ways to manipulate it. Um, 
I shouldn't say that there is no. There's obviously some people that are incredibly gifted and creating new. But for the most part, artists steal. Mm -hmm. And they steal from other people and they manipulate and make it their own. And so that's what you do when you're learning a craft. I I believe anyway, any new craft, you are stealing or um, copying what you see done well. Yeah, it's it's It's, great. It's modeling. You you have YouTube now. And so you have all these great examples of people who have come before you and Mm -hmm. done it, pioneered it. Sure. And so your stuff looks very similar to their stuff. At first, um, because that's what you know how to do. I've watched these guys edit photos, so my photos inevitably look like theirs. And then the more you do it, the more you start to develop your own style, your own taste. You'll say, actually, I don't like this edit for this photo. I like this edit better. And you, you know, that times a thousand. And you start to become your own photographer, your own creative entity. And so I think I'm there. I, I think I have a long way to go. But I have really developed my own style and since then have been able to to grow my photography business and it's it's something I love doing. I'm very passionate about um, you know, being able to do it on the side. I have a dream job working at the church, working with the people that I do and and I feel like I'm called um, to be there. But I, you know, the fact that I get to do photography on the side is really cool. Well, and you, I've seen a lot of photos that you've taken of the church and events there. So you're actually able to express that passion inside your other passion, which is. And teach. I, so I um, love teaching. Mm -hmm. Maybe I just love talking. (laughs) And so teaching. Maybe both. Teaching, yeah, teaching, uh, you know, goes hand in hand. But one of the things that I've really been able to do and and instill um, at the church is is raise raise up these people, raise up these photographers. Um, so I say, hey, this is what I've learned. You know, here's the camera. Go shoot. One, it's going to benefit the church. It's it's going to and it's going to benefit them. Um, and I I have at least a few people now that I have trained them up enough to a place where I have brought them on as second shooters for wedding events. They are good. They have good eye. They have good taste. They know how to expose and compose photos. And so they can take these skills and go make money off of them. I feel like that is that is an incredible attribute of being a leader is being able to um, teach other people um, skills that are valuable, that add value to them. And so that's something that I've loved being able to do is is teach these teach these other people how to do something that um, will you know give them a way to make money in the future if they if they like. So yeah, that's, it's very neat. Love talk, I love really talking cool. about it, and I love teaching about it. Yeah. I think that's a good attribute too. There's there's nothing worse than a, someone who gets really really good at something mm-hmm. and won't show other people how to do it. Yeah. I mean that's we're people. That's what we're yeah. drawn to is connection, learning, mm-hmm. adapting, improving. Sure. So yeah, I, th- I think that's very admirable. Yeah. I think the greatest and this is what I this is what I aspire to do. Um, I think the greatest attribute of a leader is recognizing leadership capabilities or potential in other people though. Um, I went to this conference at a church called Champion Center in um, Washington, and the 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 it's a leadership conference called Team Church. But while I was there, one of the things that they said is um, our job, if you're not the pastor, right? The pastor, your job is is to create the messages, um, and and shepherd shepherd the the congregants. You know, be a pastor to the people that are coming. Uh, but for everybody else your job is really to to train other people to do your job um so for me in production 
I train people to understand production. I train people to understand how to run sound and how to run lights and, and how to be stagehands and how to run the team that runs all of that stuff. I, it's, you're raising up people to, you're passing on your knowledge, right? And um, there's, there's this book called Axioms. Very good by, Bibles. Yeah, uh-huh, by a well-known pastor. And um, one of the things that, that he talks about is uh, he, he says it's a, a fallacy, actually, that you, as a leader, need to spend equal time with everybody. He said that's, that's actually not true. You don't have enough time to do that. But as a leader, one of the, the most powerful things you can do is raise up leaders right because everybody's going to benefit more from having other leaders Very with good true. attributes and so he said you actually don't want to spend time with with everybody but you do want to find the, the few um obviously if you're going to be pouring into them you want to find the few that have this potential one of his other axioms is higher tens right because tens will bring up if um not to give people a, a an attribute of a, a number value. a value right but they um he says you hire somebody, they will only ever be able to bring up another person underneath them up to that value if we had to assign value, yeah. right? So, so you got a five. Yeah, they're only going to be able to train up somebody to a five. But if you hire a 10, they can train somebody up to a 10. And so he says, look for the 10s. Look for these people that have incredible potential, who have incredible heart um, and vision and understand vision. And work ethic. And work ethic, yeah. Yep. And so um, you find those people and, and that's who you pour into. And that's one of the things that I love to be able to do is, is find these people and pour into them and see them come up. Um, the Team Church guys, again, at Champion Center, they said, along with you know raising up people to, to do your job, um, they're just talking about, oh, and there it goes. Man, that thought. Did you just lose something? I just lost my thought. Yeah, my train of thought. Anyway. Team Church, you should um, go at some point uh, because they have a lot of really good things to say. But the, it was really just, it had, I'm sure the thought had something to do with raising up good leaders, raising up um, good people to do what you do. So I don't know if I'm going to recommend this nootropic or not. We'll see. I know, yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, nootropic. Do you feel anything from it? I, don't I, know. I get a little more energy and then a little more focus. Maybe. Yeah. It's either that or the giant cup of coffee I had. Before oh, that, that could be. Uh-oh. <laughs> We're going to get you over-caffeinated. Hey, you know, I we can't put too much pressure on the nootropic because, look, thoughts go away sometimes. That's true. It, and that's it not a bad thing. It, happen, it happens to everybody. Yep. It's been a long day, so that's very give true. me a little grace, everyone. <laughs> cool. Um, well, let's let's go ahead and wrap things up okay. uh, one more time. Yeah. I, I know we already told people. So David, Jesse, photo, J-E-S-S-E, -S -S -E, mm -hmm. photo. Photo or photography. Okay. I have both URLs. But yeah, awesome. David Jesse Photo. You can go see some of my stuff. And um, they can contact you from there? They can contact me, yeah. Or you can just go to uh, David Jesse Photo on Instagram. That's probably um, more up to date even than the website. The website is Big Galleries, but I'm constantly posting on Instagram. So if you want to see some of my stuff that's uh, most recent, that's a great way to keep up and reach out, say hi, you know. Um, I love to love to chat with you and and uh, yeah, it's, Instagram is a great way to do it. Facebook is fine too, um, but there's just more people on Instagram, so that's awesome. what I like to pump. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, everyone, thanks for joining and have a good day. Peace out. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>